how do you worship the King of Kings? We sang about that. I, I love when the songs match the theme of what we're doing. How do you worship the King? You can imagine as the wise men were going in and they're thinking, how do we, what are we going to say? What are we going to do? This is the Messiah. What do we do? How do we worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Well, I thought of this illustration, this example, and, and I'll, I'll have to give you a little bit of a background to this just because of the world that we live in. I did not grow up with the word Wi-Fi. How many of you grew up not knowing what Wi-Fi is? You had no clue. All right, just to add to that, just to show you how old I am, we didn't have social media, we didn't have smartphones, we didn't have internet, we didn't have smart anything, okay? Nothing was smart. Our TVs were dumb, our phones were dumb, our cars were dumb, our thermostats were dumb. Everything that we had growing up, we had dumb everything, okay? Just so the kids, that they tack on to every, every device they have has the word smart on it. Well, sometimes those things are dumb too, just so you know, they irritate me like crazy, we had nothing. So we didn't have Pinterest. We didn't have all these things that people would go to to get all these cool pictures. So when me and Jenny were getting engaged, there, were not, there was nothing to see. There was pictures more like this. I think I, I pulled a couple. This is what you guys get today, all right? You guys get to go on Pinterest. You get to go on social media. You're able to get photographers. You know why? You have, you have digital cameras, you know what we had to do? We had a 110 camera. How many knows what a 110 camera is, okay? You put the, 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 the weird-looking thing in there. You take a picture. You waited two to three weeks to go, oh, my goodness, my eyes were shut. That's how you did it. That's all, that, that's all there you could do. Unless you were really fancy and you could go to Olin Mills. How many of you guys know what Olin Mills is? None of the kids are raising their hands. None of the teens are raising their hands. It was a building, that you went there, that they took fancy pictures of you so you could see them six weeks later. That's, that was, they were very high tech. So these are pictures that they got to use. So me and Jenny, when we were getting engaged. Yeah. Kmart. $3.99. And and there is zero exaggeration in that story. $3.99. And I guarantee you, we were still trying to find a coupon to get that sucker down. It was like, that's how it was. Now, I cannot tell you what the theme of the patriotic theme was of our, of our engagement pictures. Uh, but but that, the, that's what hit the papers. Okay, uh, no joke. That is literally what made the papers... That was our, I don't know why I'm not smiling. I was happy. I really was happy. Maybe it was because I was wearing a flag. I don't know. <laughs> I just, but I picked it out. I don't, you didn't pick it out. I probably picked it out. Okay. So, so anyways, after that, so before that, we, we got engaged. Again, no Pinterest, no social media, no, no, no ideas floating around and things like that. So I wanted to be as romantic as possible, okay? So I, I didn't know what to do. I, I just knew that to be engaged, you had to propose and you had to do that. And so leading up to that, I, I, Jenny knew that I had the ring. She knew that we were going to get engaged, but I had not yet popped the question, even though we had a date. Long story to that. Anyways, we were planners, so we, we knew where we were going with this. So it was, it was time I drove to Georgia to see her, and uh, I, I needed a spot. So we're driving down the road, and I look out the window, and I see um, there was no Google Maps, okay? So you had to look for stuff. 
or, or pull out a big piece of paper and it was a giant folding. Anyway, that's another story for another time. So you had to pull out an atlas and find stuff. So I, uh, I, I see this park just driving by and I thought, that's it. So I extended my stay and told Jenny, I said, I want to plan just a spontaneous date. So I, I, I went and I said, where would you like to grab lunch? So we, let's go to a park. So I took, we went all out. We went to Taco Bell. That's what we did. <laughs> you laugh again. That's 100% true. <laughs> we went to Taco Bell and we went to this park. Now, have you ever imagined something one way and it ends up being way, way, way different than what you thought? So I get there. This park was ghetto. It was horrible. There was bees everywhere. There was trash floating in the, in the pond. I mean, there was trash all over. The garbage cans were overflowing and everything. And I get out and thinking, I have no plan B. I don't know where else to go. This is it. So I'm trying to make it romantic. We're, we're walking around the, park, or the pond. Bees are flying at us. There's trash on the floor. We go up there to eat our Taco Bell. Jenny says, do you mind if I just eat in the car? I'm getting attacked by bees. So here I am with a bean burrito in one hand, my fiancé in the car, or a future fiancé, got a ring in my pocket, the most pathetic engagement you've ever heard of or seen. It was horrible. So finally I went up to the window and I said, come out for a minute, I want to show you something. So we walked down by the water, I, 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 I knelt down on a Burger King bag or whatever it was there on the spot, <laughs> and I pulled out the ring and I asked her to be my wife. And she said yes. I don't know why. I think she wanted to get out of there so bad she would have said anything. Just <laughs> take me home. <laughs> it was bad. It was, it was really bad. <laughs> so here we are. Leading up to that, it was way, way different. In order to make that moment happy, in order to make it the ring, in order for there to be the yes, I had to get that ring. And I'll tell you, I, I was so in love and I was looking forward to that so much that I worked construction with my brother, Denny, and construction wasn't easy and it was long hours and we worked in Alabama, we worked through the heat and all this other stuff. And I, was st- I told Denny, I said, I'm still not making enough money to buy the ring. And so I remember him uh, saying, our neighbor asked us if we would vinyl side their house, and which was what we did, we did vinyl siding. And so we would go all day and work, and then at night I would pull out spotlights, put it on my neighbor's house, and they were cool because it was a construction house that so was under construction, and they, they just wanted it done. We gave them a really good deal uh, of doing it, and then we ended up um, doing that. And I took all that extra money that I was working to put towards that ring. And I remember leading up to it, and I know this, to, to anybody, uh, this doesn't make sense to you, but I was so driven that the whole time that I was working for that ring, every bit of those hours and long nights and smashing my thumb and uh, getting cut and everything else was so worth it because of why I was doing it. And I remember I got on one knee in that horrible location and asked her to be my wife and I gave her that ring and that day began the next phase of our relationship that led to where we're at now. You say, why is that a bad, big deal? Because it wasn't so much about the Burger King rappers and the, the, the swamp that we were next to and everything as, as much as it was the commitment, the expression of love that I gave her on that spot. So much of that is a parallel level of worship because a lot of the things that we do in worship today or, or we do in our society, we don't understand. Like I said, back in those days, they would bow down before a king and things like that. So they had that expression. 
So I ask you, and I'll, I kind of fill this in and just review what is worship. It starts with an attitude. It's a mindset. Way before you bow the knee, you're convincing your mind that you want to bow the knee. Before you seek out the Savior, knowing your mind that you want to see the Savior. It's an attitude. See, worship is placing great value or attention on something that is deserving. A lot of what I did uh, in that engagement, I sought her out, I, I, I planned it out, and I put all my attention, I didn't care about anything else, on her. It's worship. What is it worth to you? What is the value of the one that you're bowing down to you? Is it in your mind? It's saying an engagement, saying that I want to spend the rest of my life with you. you you're worthy. I have so much respect for you. See, worship is also the act or demonstration of surrender or respect. It literally means to bow down, like Matt was saying just a minute ago, to bow down and surrender. This is, this is a symbol of thanksgiving to God. It's a symbol of surrender to God as we raise up our hands before him. The engagement tradition of bowing down on one knee actually goes all the way back to the days of the nights. When they would go before their Lord or their King and they would bow down to them out of respect or honor or tribute. The same way that we bow down on one knee when we're asking someone to marry us. It's out of respect or tribute or honor to that person. Engagement is saying I give myself to you. I dedicate my life to following you, to loving you, to being with you, to being yours. It's great love. Worship is the act of adoring by an expression of love. See, giving of the ring places value on the person. You hold great value to me. I want to express it. I want to say it to you. I want to show it to you. I want to sacrifice of myself for the sake of you. I give of myself to you. I give freely. Engagement picture, when they come out and they have that, one of the first things that women do is they hold out that ring. They want to do that. More than even the picture of them, there's pictures of their hands representing this is the value or this is the gift or this is the demonstration that he gave me to say, I love you. I want to be with you. It was, it was an outward expression. It was given as a gift on the person giving. It was sacrifice. So I know you're talking a lot about engagement. What does that have to do with this? There's a lot of parallels to this. It's just something that we understand. So what is true worship? Second question is bringing the application is, do you truly worship? One of the Pharisees in Luke chapter 7 verse 36, one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down and meets. And behold, a woman of the city, which was a sinner, when she, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with his, her tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with anointment. When the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this was that is that uh, toucheth him. For she is a sinner. Now notice that the Pharisee invited Jesus into his home. Not sure what his motive was of trapping him or just the prestige of having this new prophet or this man that claimed to be the son of God. But I can tell you in his heart, he did not believe that he was the son of God. Because in his heart, Jesus heard him speaking in his mind and said, if he were a prophet... Do you understand the mindset? There's two people there, one that was a sinner, one that was a religious person, one that worshipped, and one that did nothing. Nothing. 
He entertained Jesus. He invited Jesus. He, he sat with Jesus. He was in the same location with Jesus as for the value of worship, he did nothing. The other woman that was a sinner, that had a past, that had a history and everything, the Bible says in that passage later that she loved me much. There was an outpouring of love. See, they were both in the same room, but only one viewed Jesus for who he truly was. And let me tell you, in the mindset, when you view Jesus for who he truly is, that's what comes out of your life. So here's the questions. Do you view him as worthy? Now, we started with this last week, or we ended with this last week. True worship is when we view Jesus as the king of kings. See, there could have been 100 people in the park that day when I knelt down on one knee and asked Jenny to be my wife. There could have been people all over us. And I guarantee not everybody would have been lining up saying, hey, can I, can I do that too? Not, that nobody would have been doing that except me because I'm the only one that viewed her as the potential wife. I knew her. I loved her. I wanted her. And I acted different than everybody else because of my desire to be with her. See, when you truly see Jesus as the king, as the master, as the giver of life, the one that saves you, the one that can save you, I promise you, You being in the presence of Jesus will be way different than everybody else. It's different. Do you view Jesus for who he is? See, both of them knew Jesus. They both knew who he was. But somewhere along the way, she started viewing Jesus differently. So how do you know? Nobody walks up to somebody's feet and begins to weep for no reason at all. I thought about the stories that happened before this. The maniac of Gadara, maybe she heard the story. Now the Bible says in this passage three times it labels her as a sinner. Three times. She was a sinner, she was a sinner, and then another time it comes out and says, great was her sinner, a a phrasing like that. Now you can imagine as Jesus in the passage in Luke chapter 5 verse 31, this is what was said. They that are whole, or Jesus said this when he was accused of eating with publicans and sinners. And everybody was like, I can't believe you're even sitting with them. Can't believe you're around them. Jesus says this, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. That woman could have been there that day hearing this, or a rumor that he said that. In the next verse, he says this, I came not to call righteous, but sinners to repentance. She might have been walking away going, you know what? He'd never talk to me. He would never want me. And all of a sudden, I came for sinners. Caught her attention. That's my name. That's my label. That's who I am. See, something in her mind clicked to understand that I am wanted by this man. He loves me. He cares for me. He came for people like me. I'm not sure. But I know when she walked in that room, she was seeking forgiveness. It says in verse 39, when the Pharisee, which was bidden, saw it, he spake within himself and said, if this man was a prophet. Jesus knew their hearts. Jesus knew their thoughts. Jesus knows why you do what you do, and he knows why you don't do what you do. The view of God determines if you worship God or not. It's nothing a worship leader can get up and say, come on, let's worship, let's worship. Lift your hands, lift your voices, stand up, clap your hands, whatever. If it's not in you, it's not coming out of you. 
You guys understand that? If it is not in you, it will not come out of you. I don't care what you say, what you do, or how you prompt people. It's your view of him. Your understanding of who he is. Verse 44, and he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house and gavest me no water for my feet. She had washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. And gavest me no kiss, but this woman since I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. The other guy was just going through the motions. Had Jesus there, entertained Jesus, fed Jesus, talked to Jesus. But this woman who everybody thought in the room was dirty, nasty, and undeserving is the one that God said, she's the only one here that actually worshiped me. He did not even treat Jesus as a proper guest. I guess he was in it for the experience or the value or the fact that what people would see of him. I went to church. I was around him. I sang the songs. I gave him the offering, whatever it was. It was just a Sunday experience, following the rules, his ticket into heaven. It's going through the motions. It's, it's, there's no passion or love. Do you understand? Everything dealing with worship has to do with passion and love from our hearts. The Bible says that she was a sinner and she knew this. But the Bible says in verse 47, for she loved me much. Her past did not dictate the worship she gave to Jesus. Because she was in the presence of the one that forgave her. She worshipped him as Savior. She viewed him with great honor. He is worthy of all that I'm doing at this time. Second question, do you desire him? See, true worship is when we respond to his desire for us. Now, now we can get all technical with this, but just think about this. If anybody has ever been in love before with anybody whatsoever, if you've ever been to that point of wanting to get engaged or wanting to get married, there's something that you want in a relationship. Our relationships are based on the relationship that we have with God. Relationships started with God and we mimic it. Sometimes we sit there and say, I wonder if God loves like this. And God says, I invented that. We reverse the model of that. He is the model. We're not the model. So to understand the desire, when I have a relationship with my wife and I sat down on that day and I knelt down before her to give her the ring and she didn't grab and say, I guess, whatever, that's cool. I mean, it's like, looks cool and it looks valuable and I, you know, if it doesn't work out, I could pawn it or whatever. Just There was something that I wanted a response from her. Do you understand that God pours his love on us through the cross, through blessings, through the Holy Spirit of God, through the word of God? He's constantly pouring his love on us. God wants a response from the people he loves. If you're in love with anybody or dating anybody or engaged to anybody, I promise you this. If you pour compliments, you pour time, you pour surprises, you pour whatever, one thing that you have in your heart is I want it back in return. I want to know that, that you love me the way that I love you. And the Bible even says that, that we love him because he first loved us. I was with Denny, my brother, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we, we went on that trip to Sight and Sound, which I guess that was a few months ago anyways. Uh, we, we were going to Sight and Sound, and we were talking, 
And Denny said, remember when we were working together, he said something that stood out to me that blew my mind about you all the time was the fact of how hard we worked and how late we worked. And then we would get home on Friday night, and he would say to me, when I get home, I'm going to shower and drive to Georgia so I can see Jenny. Now, we were already just completely exhausted, wanted to go home. And your mind and your heart was still, I want to go see her, because that's why I was working. It wasn't just the service that I had, I wanted the time with her. I wanted to be in her presence. I didn't go home and my, my mom go, hey, have you talked to Jenny lately? No. You should probably go see her. I, I, I'll, when it works out, I'll, I'll, I'll try to work that out. You, you see, there was, there was a drive inside of me. You think of the wise men in the, the Christmas story. We're talking about worshiping or desiring to worship. Do you understand that the wise men traveled for two years? Why? To be in the presence of God. You see, worship, we're talking about the mindset of him, of valuing him for who he is. But when you view God for who he is, there will be a drive inside of you to want to be with him. Now think of the two people in the story. Think about this. I won't read it, but in that passage, Jesus said to the Pharisee, you bid me to come here. You know what that was? He was sitting there saying, hey, Jesus, I got something for you. You, you want to come over here? I, I, I'd like you to come into my house. You bid me. You asked me. You called for me to be in your house. Here's that sinner, that woman, the alabaster box. When she heard that he was in the house, went to see him. I'm going to ask you guys. We're talking about worship. We're talking, most of us singing, praising, hand clapping, raising our hands and praising God in all those ways. Let me ask you, before we even touch on that, because we're getting there. Before we even touch on that, let me ask you, why are you here today? Because your wife kept nudging you, saying, you need to get up, honey, we should go to church. Teens, why are you guys here today? Somebody made you come. My mom would be mad if I didn't. Why, why did you sing today? Oh, here we go again. Here's another song. Can you imagine proposing like that and them sitting there going, whatever. You know, I, I think that's how it is with when God. When God pours out so much on us and we sing back to him or we lift up our voices in response to him, and we're just blank and dull and bored. There's no love. There's no desire. Going through the motions. It's tradition. This is what we do on Sunday. But when your desire is more about the game that you're going to watch when you get home than you do this, there's something elevated a little more than the King of Kings. Guys, I'm not saying that football is wrong. I'm not saying that you're, you're not hungry right now and you're thinking about where you're going to eat. That's human. That's natural. That's normal. But I'm saying at the heart of every Christian, it shouldn't be that you go to church because you have to. You go to church because you love him. You worship because you love him. Do you understand that the difference of the two was there was desire pushing the worship. There was desire. She wanted to be with him. Do we have that? See, they both showed up in the same room today, but only one of them worshiped. Do you desire him? Number three, do you submit to him? See, true worship is a demonstration of surrender and respect. They say, whoa, wait a minute. Surrender? How are you getting that out of this? I'm going to stand up and praise the wine and, and, and raise my voice and sing with a microphone in the choir in the congregation. That is my worship. 
You see, true worship is a demonstration of surrender and respect. We didn't create the word worship. God did. The word worship literally means to fall down, to bow down before him. Literally to adore him in this way. We're talking about worshiping the king of kings. You go back to this story. Look at verse 38. And stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with her tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head. Washing feet were part of their culture. That wasn't weird or odd in their culture. The way she did it was different. But the very culture of this, this was part of this. They walked on dusty roads. They walked on dirt roads. When they would sit down and, and they would sit down at these tables and they would sit down and their feet would be down beside them. So the dude next to you would be looking or having their feet in their face. So they would go out. Now, when Jesus was in the upper room and he gathered them together, Jesus took on the form of a servant to die on the cross, but he took on a form of a servant when he gathered them together in the upper room. He took off his outer robe and he knelt down on his feet and he began to wash all of their feet. And he said, do this. As an example, I do this so you can copy it. Now, why didn't anybody else wash anybody else's feet in that room? See, in the, that culture, the one that was the lowest of the low would be the one that would wash the feet. You know what it was? Everybody in that room put themselves equal with Jesus Christ. Nobody. You say, well, that woman was just doing that. No, that woman took on it. See, she was submitting herself to Jesus by her very actions, she placed herself under the authority of Jesus Christ, saying that I must decrease and you must increase. See, this is, this is a thing, physically speaking, we can't wash the feet of Jesus or take on the form of a servant. But I tell you, as the king of kings, let me tell you how this plays out. If you love me, keep my commandments. Do you understand what God was saying as she lowered himself in submission to him in the very act of what she did, how often do we walk into the word of God and we sit there and say, I'm not going to obey that and I don't agree with that and I feel like that's outdated and that's not for me. And I've had people actually say this. I know what the Bible says, but to me, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter your opinion whatsoever. Your opinion doesn't matter. Because every time God says something and you turn around and say, well, I don't look at it that view way or I'm not going to do it, you're telling the king, you know what, I bow before you in worship, but I'm not doing that. You're standing right back out and saying, I'm not submitting to that. Do you understand for us as Christians, we could rent out Nationwide Arena and then we do this in, in conferences and we do this for praise and worship things and we do that for concerts. Every person in that room could stand and lift up their hands and scream and shout and praise and sing at the top of their lungs. But if they're not placing themselves under the authority of the word of God, they are not worshiping God. Say, so why do we not have revival? Why is there not a movement of God? Why can we have song services and sing and everything? It is a matter of, first of all, that we bow the knee to the king of kings before we lift our hands to the king of kings. It's a mindset. See, it even says in this passage, of, of, uh, she stood behind him weeping, began to wash her feet with her tears and wiped them with the very hairs of her head. When you look at him, Jesus responds to him and says, I came in, you gave me no water. You know what that was saying? You never bowed to me whatsoever. There was no love. There was only routine 
empty, vain, void of the presence of God. We talk about lifting up, raising hands. The Bible says in Psalms 134 verse 2, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. That is a form of worship. You know know what that is? There's a bunch of different phrases or wording or applications to this whatsoever. This, This is a matter of lifting your hands in surrender. I mean, when you sit there like that and we sing the songs, I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Jesus, I surrender, I surrender all. And Jesus said, you understand you praise me with your lips, but your hearts can be far from me. This is just an action, but I tell you, sometimes we go through the motions. Look at this next verse. This, this is where it brings it in as for what, what he was talking about. As for my hands also will lift up unto thy commandments. Changes worship. What are, you, what are you submitting to? You say praise is a big part of the Bible. You're absolutely late. Praise is a big part of the Bible. But I tell you, if we don't learn to bow, we, we cannot worship. We cannot praise God correctly. I will lift up my hands. You know what that is saying? I surrender my life. I surrender my life. I bow before you. I place myself under the authority of what you have said. I worship you. She gave all the glory to Jesus Christ. You see, the only way that you can make him king is he must increase. He must be elevated. He must be throned. He must be lifted up. And I must decrease. You say, what, is, what does that mean? Look, look, look at even in this, this passage right here. And she stood behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and wipe them with the hairs of her head. This is very symbolic because of the fact is that woman, and you say, I've never seen in the Bible somebody washing somebody's feet with their hair. Now see in the Bible, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians eleven fifteen. but if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her for her hair is given to her covering. Her glory or her beauty, it comes from the word doxa. A lot of you have heard that word a lot lately because that is Pastor Joe's new church that he started. Pastor Joe's church is called Doxa. It means glory or glory to God. It's a biblical term. She was literally saying, my hair is what was given to me to be beautiful. This this draws attention to me. This makes me pretty. This makes me attractive. There's something about this and, and women have that. Bible said it's her glory. She took her glory and used it as a rag on the one she was glorifying. He said, what does that look like for us? I'll tell you, whatever God has given you, you lay it at his feet. You give it to him in response. Whether that's a voice, if anybody, and I'm not picking on anybody. We have musicians, our worship team, our worship band, and these guys do an amazing job. But I'll tell you, if anybody does it to, for you to be recognized more than God, you're doing it for yourself. If you sing, if you worship, if you stand at a door, and you're making it about you, you see, if God's giving you a personality, and that's something that brings glory to you, and you use that in your workplace to sell cars, or to sell jobs, or to get new clients, and you don't use that for the glory of God, you are glorifying yourself with what He is giving you. It's not mine. I'd I'd imagine, and even in her line of work, there was a beauty about her. She took her beauty and said, you are more beautiful than me. That is submitting to God. It's not about me. 
Because that's why I say this all the time. If our worship, no matter what it is, if I went and went through every song and said, how many of you like Noel that we sing? How many of you like the first song? Hands are going to go all over. If we ever make it about us rather than God, and don't get me wrong, there's songs that I like, but if we lose focus of who we're singing to and who we're singing about, you're just singing. You're just saying words. You've lost the focus of the one you're bowing to. Because the Pharisee made it all about him. He walked in and trying to get the attention and the, the, the outpouring of the, the attention from other people, but not this woman. It's different. Do you desire him? Do you submit to him? Do you express your love? Now this is such a weird thing because true worship is when you love and the love that you have for Jesus shows through your actions. Any guy in here can testify, if you fall in love with somebody, it won't be long before that love for that person comes out of you. Two things that I noticed in that passage about that woman. She wept. Did you notice that? She wept. I don't know about you guys, but I'm not a crying type person. And that's, we're all made different. You know, everybody in this room, we worship different, we're different. But this is the thing, she wept. And then the, the, the next thing that she, you see her kissing the feet of Jesus. Now, those are two things of passion. Uh, and, and I mean, the, 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 the kissing part was respect or love or, or, or she's kissing the feet of Jesus. It wasn't twisted in some of the things that the world makes it into being. But it was, a, it was an act of passion. She literally was so welled up inside of her. Now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. When you truly see God for who he is and you place yourself under the authority of God and you view him as the king of kings and you understand that I am unworthy and he's worthy and I walked into his presence and he didn't throw me out, it will change you. She began to weep. Now, the Bible doesn't say cry. It literally says weep. And that word weep in that passage literally means an outpouring. It says rather than to cry silently, she's weeping. She has this attention brought onto her. She's already walking in as the outsider, unwelcome, shouldn't be there. She didn't care. Because she had an audience of one. Can I tell you guys, I know we're a Baptist church. And Baptists can have a reputation of being very stiff. Very stiff. I'm just being honest. The things that I'm talking about is not emotionalism, but there's emotion involved. God made us with emotions. When he Lazarus, when Lazarus died, Jesus walked up and he wept. Mary wept. This woman wept. Something inside of her came out of her. She kissed. She was expressing. Now, we all do this differently. Let me tell you, every single one of us, you can't just look at the person next to you and go, oh, okay, so you do this and wave it here. or You, you know, all, every one of us is going to worship differently. Then there's praise, which is another category of this. But I'm going to tell you, don't let your pride hinder your worship. You know what pride is when you make it about you? And I'll tell you, I've, I've pushed back tears. And I said I'm not emotional, but I tell you, sometimes when it's God doing it and not you doing it, it will come out of you because it's the God working through you. We stand in awe. We stand in wonder. We stand in amazement. 
We're overcome with joy and gratitude and things like that. And when you begin to weep, guys, sometimes we'll hold back lifting our hands or, or, or praising God or shouting or saying amen or whatever because of pride, of wondering what everybody else is thinking. That woman didn't care who in the world was thinking what. She already walked in there not dressed like everybody else. She already walked in there labeled as a sinner. She already walked in there uninvited, and she didn't care. Let me give you the last thing. She not only desired him, she not only fell before him and submitted herself and gave her glory to Jesus Christ, but she, she expressed it, but then the last thing she did was sacrifice. Say, so where was it? The, the very popular thing that she did was that alabaster box. Now, that alabaster box represented price and glory. It represented uh, money. She took what she had, and the Bible says as she's doing that, she, she maybe reached in a satchel or a bag or whatever, and she pulled that out and reached it up and broke it or poured it out or dumped it out or whatever it is. But all that she had of that great value, she dumps and pours on Jesus. And she held nothing back. And I thought of the application of that to all of us. How many things has God put in our lives, whether it's your time, your talents, your treasure, your worship, your, your, your admiration of God or whatever it is, that we hold back. And that woman was like, listen, I worked my whole life for this, but I tell you, he's worth more than what I have. He's worthy of what I have. You think, why in the world do we get up on some Sundays and we say, we're going to continue our worship by giving? You can give of your time or give of your talents. She's, she's taken on the form of a servant. But I love this, and we'll close with this. Now she's doing this. This entire room is filled with this aroma. The whole room changed. Everything changed in that room. You, you got to think about that ointment that she had that was so different she says this, for wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which were many are forgiven, for she loved much. She loved much. She showed so much love. And as she's doing this, that alabaster box was broken. And that aroma, not just a little bit, but literally poured out. And that entire atmosphere of that room began to be an infectious with the smell of that aroma that was pleasant and pleasing at that time. Think about that with our worship. When Christians bow their head before God and we surrender to God and we understand why we're here and who we're here for, we decrease in our pride. It's not about me. I don't care about me. And I want to sing and I want to tell him. And just like in that, that surrender of, of that engagement, I, I, I bow before you as my God. I want to live the rest of my life for you. And that begins to be expressed through our life. Whatever it is, it can't stay inside. It comes out. Of, and he, she kissed the feet of Jesus. And she anointed the feet of Jesus. And she washed the feet of Jesus. And I tell you, if it's in you, it should come out of you. You say, I, I, I just, I, I come in here and it's so cold and so stiff and all this other stuff. I'll tell you, once you fall in love with Jesus, all that will change. It's not something we can manifest. You see what changed the atmosphere of that room was that smell or that ointment that began to come or that aroma that was pleasing to God. I pray that our worship is pleasing to God, especially at this Christmas time.